Today's reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, on page 1001. You can find it in the church Bibles under your chairs. Page 1001. These verses are Matthew's summary of the key points of the whole of Jesus' teaching in his last 40 days on earth. Starting with verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been working with OM for about 18 months. Before that, I was doing what Tom does in a church in Reading. And before that, I used to work with Christian students in a thing called IFES, that links together student Christian unions around the world. And I had the privilege of spending 11 years in Russia when we were starting Christian student groups in the universities, which was great. Fantastic. Yeah. And j- just sum up in like one sentence, what is, the, what is Operation Mobilization? What is, what's it all about? What is Operation Mobilization? Operation Mobilization, we've actually got a tagline that we're there to raise up vibrant communities of Jesus followers amongst the least reached. That is what we want to do. Reach the, is that, have, I, have I got that right, Steve? Yeah. I've got a colleague here who's been with OM longer than I have, more or less. Vibrant communities of Jesus followers like this amongst the least reached of the world. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. I'm going to pray for you, Peter. Thank you. Father, thank you for this morning. And we pray now that through your servant, Peter, that you would open our eyes to your word, that by your Holy Spirit, you would bring your word alive in our hearts and in our lives today. Help us to see Jesus so that we can live for him and share the good news about him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Tom. Great to be here, folks, and really glad to have the opportunity to say thank you to you for your partnership with us. Um, Let me tell you what I'm hoping for this morning, is that this time we have together will help us to dream some big dreams, okay? Because I look around here, I I love the job I do, you know, because on a Sunday morning like this, I look around and I see potential. So many of you that God has got big dreams for. And I hope we can kind of unpack some of those dreams and the impact that each of us can have, not just locally, but on the world as a whole. Um, So my goal this morning is just to help us a little bit to be big picture people, just to strengthen our grasp of the big picture of God's purposes in this world. Because it's as we get a grasp of that big picture um, that we can find our own destiny in it. And I look around, you know, some of us are young, some of us are retired perhaps, And either way, we're thinking, what happens with these next few years? And God has destiny for us. So um, that's one of the big things this morning. Another thing is this. I'm praying that God will help us to grasp his passionate love for the lost world. Okay? We had this reading from Matthew. And very, very important point that our reader made. Those last few verses that we had read are Matthew's summary of everything Jesus had to say in the last 40 days on earth. The last 40 days on earth, he was saying, guys, go into all the world. All authority has been given to me. Go into all the world and you'll find as you do, I'm with you always. 
But I'd like just to focus our minds on three passages of Scripture. And some of you were at a prayer meeting downstairs where, where I spoke a little while back. And you may remember I talked about this then. One about God the Father, one about God the Son, and one about God the Holy Spirit that help us to grasp the, the love that God has for the world and the implications that has for you and I. So let me start off with John 3.16. Now you know this. Where's Tom? Tom, are you an audience participation church? Okay, okay. John 3.16, folks, what does it say? For? Yes. Oh. <laughs> no, I've never had that happen before. <laughs> Great. Well, you know, that's like having a PowerPoint, isn't it, really? Um, but you know, folks, this is such a radical verse. God loved the world, the whole world so much that he gave the biggest thing he could possibly give for the sake of the lost world. Now that's a big thing if we want to live like his children. I have one son I would not give him for anything. Yeah? And those of you who are parents know that feeling. God loved the world so much that he gave the biggest thing he could possibly give for the sake of the lost world. So brothers and sisters, if you and I are growing like the father, there's going to be that same love for the lost world in us, isn't there? Logically has to be, if we're functioning like the Father. Okay, let me share a, a passage that's slightly less well-known. This is John 17. This is about God the Son. And John 17 is an amazing chapter because in John 17, Jesus is on the way to the cross, and on the way to the cross, he stops and talks to his Father. Now, how do you express a conversation within the Trinity in human language? I do not know. But by the Holy Spirit, John does manage that. And Jesus says to his father in John 17 and verse 18, he's talking to his father and he talks about us. And he says, as you've sent me into the world, I've sent them, my disciples, into the world. Okay, now that, folks, is another of these incredibly profound verses. You know, if you've got a a long journey coming up by car or by train or by plane or whatever, I'd encourage you to just take that with you and meditate on it and let it wash around in your mind. What did it mean for Jesus to be sent into the world by the Father? What a massive change of lifestyle. What a massive stoop. Well, now he says to the Father, Father, as you sent me into the world, I've sent my people into the world. You see what that's saying, folks? If we... If we are functioning as children of the Father, we will have this love for the lost world where we are prepared to really give for the sake of the lost world. And if we're disciples of the Son, Jesus, we're going to experience our lives as being sent into the world, the world, by Jesus, just the way that Jesus was sent by the Father. That's such a profound thing. Think about that verse sometime when you've got time. Just what it means, what it meant for Jesus to be sent into the world by the Father. And now he sends you and I the same way. You see what this is saying, folks? The world is on my agenda and yours. It has to be. If we're functioning as children of the Father, if we're operating as disciples of the Son. One last verse um, about the Holy Spirit. Let's try audience participation on this one as well. Acts 1.8. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and what? Whispers. Come on, folks. You'll be my witnesses, yes. Where? Good. You should know this. I know, Tom. But it's, your, it's your congregation I want to hear. It's, it's interesting, you know, when I do this in other churches, after a while, the pastor or the vicar sort of starts to talk, you know, because it's embarrassing if nobody knows the verse. Okay. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses where? 
Yeah. And? 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 Yeah, exactly. Great. Well done, Tom. You're doing a good job here, obviously. Look, folks, think about that verse. Jesus could have said several other things that would have been equally true. He could have said, when the Holy Spirit really comes to dominate you, it will change your attitude to the Word of God. And that is true. That happens. The more the Holy Spirit gets a grip on our minds, the Bible as a whole opens up for us. And we come to, we come to see Genesis and Exodus as books that really speak to us. We come to see Isaiah as a book that really speaks to us. The epistles start to make sense to us. The more and more the Holy Spirit gets a, gets a grip on our minds. He didn't say that. He could have done. Or he could have said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and he will transform your prayer lives. So that prayer stops being something mechanical and you realize you've actually got this amazing power to pour the power of God into your situation. And he could have said that and he didn't. Or he could have said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and that will transform your community. And you will begin to have communities like this, all different age groups, all different cultures bound together by the love of the Holy Spirit because that's what the Spirit does. And he didn't say that either. Folks, the number one consequence, you see where I'm going with this, the number one consequence of the Spirit coming in power in our lives is that we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in our city, in Judea, with a heart for the whole surrounding country, in Samaria, which was the next door country where there was a long-standing ethnic problem and they didn't like them very much. What's that equivalent to that? France, Scotland, whatever. Yeah? And right to the ends of the earth. Ireland, do I hear? <laughs> and right to the ends of the earth. That is the number one consequence of a spirit being in power in our lives, folks. So do you see where this is going? You, you cannot possibly think, but Christians sometimes do, but we can't, um, that world mission, world evangelism is just some kind of optional thing for a few specialists. You know, some of you are into collecting stamps and others play the tuba and others listen to obscure Scottish hip-hop and some people are into missionaries. It's not like that. If we're children of the Father, we must love the world. If we're disciples of the Son, we must experience our lives as impacting the world. And if we're full of the Holy Spirit, we've got to be his witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. You see, it has to be so. And folks, I think, I want to say, the more we grasp this, the more we have a sense of the the exhilarating nature of being involved in God's world mission. Um, Sometimes we feel on the back foot in London, don't we? I I rejoice, actually, as I go around London, I rejoice at what God is doing in London. Nevertheless, sometimes we feel, don't we, the media don't like us very much and they take the mick. The government are passing some laws that we don't like very much and we feel sometimes we're on the back foot. And any of you who know the situation in continental Europe, it's worse. That's not how it is worldwide. You know, when you, when, you, when you see what is going on in South America, in sub-Saharan Africa, in the People's Republic of China, it is so great to see that God's hand is not limited. God's arm is not uh, disempowered. God is doing stuff. Uh, last year, our Tajikistan director was in Britain, and I was talking to him. He was saying, People's Republic of China, you know, communist country. There was a time when, when Christians were really in trouble there, there are 100 million Christians in China, and he was saying that the missionaries in the People's Republic are now turning, out and turning up in Tajikistan. That's fabulous. 100 million Christians in China. That's more than there are people in this country. South America. Some of you who know about OM will know we're famous for our ships, and we have a ship called Logos Hope, and here's the great thing. It's going to be in London next year, and I hope you can all come and see it, but um, it's been in South America because we are praying for 2,000 South American missionaries in the next years 
to come to Latin Europe and, and live for the Lord there and witness for the Lord there. Because South America and the Latin European countries like Spain, Italy, uh, Portugal and so on are very similar culturally, but the church is in a much stronger place in South America. We had, the ship was in one city in Mexico, Veracruz. Do you know 200,000 people came to visit it? Last time it came to London, 25,000 people came to visit it. That's the difference, yeah? Great things are happening in the church in South America. And we need to be encouraged by this. Yes, we feel on the back foot in Britain. Yes, continental Europe is worse. But in South America, God is doing amazing things. Africa, we are, pray with us for this. We are looking for 5,000 missionaries from sub-Saharan Africa over the next 10 years. Because if you think of a map of Africa, there is a belt of Muslim countries, Mauritania on the Atlantic, Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, and then you get some of these places you read about with the war-torn areas, Sudan, Somalia, northern Kenya. Who would be the best people to reach those countries? Well, obviously, people who are African culturally themselves. And in Nigeria and Ghana and Kenya and Zambia, Zimbabwe, the churches are really strong. So pray with us. We are praying for 5,000 African missionaries to reach those Muslim countries in the next 10 years. They will make mistakes like white British missionaries did too. And we need to pray for that. We need to pray that we can give them certain types of support. But do you see what I'm saying, folks? Exciting things are happening. When we get a grip of the, 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 the greatness of what God is doing around the world, I think it lifts our hearts. A, a pastor said to me the other day, what you're doing is giving us confidence. Yep, that's what we want to do. We're not on the, we're not, not on the losing side. God's gospel is going forward across the world. And that's a wonderful thing. Um, Ray mentioned this book about the Daleks. I don't know how many, how many of you are aware of that story. This is, this is an amazing story. The Daleks are the untouchables. In the Indian caste system, they're right at the bottom of the ladder. They're the ones who clean toilets, clean streets, and so on. And um, if you're an untouchable, a Dalit, Hinduism is not very good news because Hinduism is based in re- around reincarnation. And obviously, you know, if you're at the top of the ladder, you're at the a Brahmin, say, that means you were reincarnated at the top because you did well in the previous life. But if you're at the bottom, you're a toilet cleaner, that says something about what you did in the previous life, but it's not very good. So some years back, the untouchables were tending to move away from Hinduism towards Buddhism. And at that point, our leaders in OM in India went to them and said, we're Christians, what can we do for you? They said, we want schools. We want schools so that our kids can be lawyers, doctors, in good professions, just as if they were from the high caste. So in that, in that period, we've started 100 schools. Thousands of kids have been through them. 26,000 kids, I think. Is that about right, Steve? Um, but here's the thing. The untouchables have looked at this and said, why are Christians doing this for us? And they've responded. As, as Ray said, there's a book at the back. You can read about it. They've responded in large numbers. 4,000 churches have started because of that, because of people seeing how Jesus changes people's lives so that they then come and help other people. Great stuff going on. Now, not everywhere is like this, obviously. Um, we live in a continent, as I say, that in its own way is quite dark. Steve said to me a while back, his church in Edinburgh, yes, Edinburgh, has got more Christians in it than there are Christians in all the churches in the country of Montenegro. This is the continent we live in, a whole country where there are less Christians in the churches than in, in one church in Edinburgh. And uh, that sort of situation is replicated in other parts of Europe as well. But, of course, the most challenging area for us uh, is, is the Muslim world. But here's the thing, folks. We are living, I believe, in a historically crucial moment. I mentioned earlier when Tom was interviewing me, I used to work in Russia. And I had the privilege 
of working in, in Russia just when the Soviet Union had collapsed. And this is about 1989, 1990, 1991. Um, Russian people were so keen to find out what was the truth. Now that the Soviet Union has collapsed, we found out communism was a lie. What have you got to share with us? And we had four or five years that were really open in Russia. It didn't last. These things don't. But we had four or five years when Russia was so open to the gospel. Now, I believe we're facing the same sort of opportunity right now in the Muslim world. And the reason is ISIS. Because, and, and many of you have Muslim friends and, and they're thinking about these issues. So many decent, normal Muslim people are saying, I see what ISIS are doing. I did not sign up for that. I did not sign up for burning people to death. I did not sign up for pushing people off buildings. And we are hearing story after story of uh, Muslims turning to Jesus because they're seeing what ISIS has done. And they're saying, I don't want that. Muhammad was a warrior. You can't get away from that. How did Jesus deal with evil? He died on the cross and he absorbed it on himself. So we are living in an amazing moment, I think. I, I, I was at a, a church in Berkshire last year and met a guy from another missionary agency. And he said to me, you know, we think about 35,000, 40,000 Muslims have turned to Christ in the Middle East. And ISIS is the main reason. Uh, just recently, I was hearing about a church in Egypt that has baptized 6,000 Muslims. I mean, this is phenomenal. The Middle East has never been this open to the gospel. Now, as I say, these, these historically crucial moments, they don't last. Russia, we had about four or five years. It's a hard country again now. God willing, in 10 years' time, ISIS will be forgotten. But now is the opportunity. And we need to flood the Middle East with prayer and flood the Middle East with workers. So, um, just a few stories. Let me try and make this practical. So, we are called to love the world like the Father. We're called to see our lives as a destiny shaping the world like the sun. What does that mean for us if we love the world like God does? Well, first of all, it means prayer. Um, because our God is a God who loves partnership. James chapter 4, verse 2. You don't have if you don't ask. God could evangelize the world without us easily. But he chooses, he loves to partner. It's what God is like. And so... James 4, verse 2, you don't have if you don't ask. By and large, not always, but by and large, God limits himself to what we pray for. So, folks, we in OM are desperate, and I know else, uh, um, London City Mission and, and Japanese Christian Link will say the same. We are desperate for prayer support. Uh, as I said earlier, our, um, our calling, our particular calling as OM is to reach the unreached. And folks, if a group of people in this world are unreached, there is a reason for that, a spiritual reason. And we have to break through that by prayer. Otherwise, everything else we do is wasted. So we are desperate for prayer supporters. At the back there, as Ray said, you will find um, our magazine, Global. And there's also this, Heartbeat. And this is our prayer warriors publication okay it has one prayer item for every day and you can get down to business with god in impacting the unreached parts of the world using this if you'd like that um if or if you like either of them i know some of you get them already which is great but there's a card at the back you can fill that in give it to steve or give it to me and uh, we will make sure you get prayer fuel day by day or month by month so that you you can join in what god is doing in the world folks we are desperate for prayer support that is the bottom line Unless we have that happening, uh, we really are wasting our time. Um, and there are some OM pens at the back, and some of them even work. They're charity pens, so some work, some don't. Actually, my wife insists they all work. It's a faith thing. You have to sit there and 
scratch with them, and eventually it comes out. But some of them work straight away. Um, and you can take one of those, and uh, you'll remember OM when you use it. So that's the, that's the first thing. If we love the world like God, we are going to pray. We're going to be concerned about the lost parts of the world, and we're going to pray so that there is a real difference. Second thing, if we love the world like God, we're going to think how we can give, aren't we? How we can use the resources God has given us. And I'm preaching to the converted here, and I rejoice over this. Tom, I am so grateful. And I know I could, Steve would say the same. Your church has been so generous. Now, let me suggest something to you folks. This is going to sound like fantasy until you stop and think, and it's not. It's reality. You get to heaven, okay? And somebody you never met comes up to you and says, you're from St. John's down to Hill, aren't you? And you say, yes. And they say, okay, let me tell you, sometime back, I'm from South America, they'll say to you, sometime back, you gave some money in St. John's Downshire Hill. And they gave that money to OM to buy Bibles in South America. And one of those Bibles came to me, and I became a Christian. And that was all because, humanly speaking, you in Hampstead gave money to your church, and that paid for a Bible for me. It's going to happen. And maybe somebody else will come up to you and say, I need to thank you. You're from St. John's Downshire Hill, aren't you? And you say, yes. And they'll say, well, your church funded the refurbishment of the international cafe on the ship. We have this, this ship that's used in evangelism. And uh, as I say, we'll be here next year. And we have this international cafe, which is a, where a lot of the really key conversations happen. It needed refurbishing. You folk have helped to pay for that. And you can imagine somebody coming to you and saying, I sat in that cafe and I gave my life to Jesus. And they may say, and do you know what happened then? I became a pastor and I started a church. And then I started another one. And humanly speaking, that's because you and Hampstead gave money. Folks, is that fantasy? No, it's not. Because that's actually what is going on. We have this enormous power that God has put us in a country with a strong currency. And we can make such a difference with our giving. And the last thing... um, If we love the world like God, it's worth thinking, how can I use my life? And again, you know, I look around, you're different ages. Some of you are retiring. You're thinking, I'm 65. What shall I do with the next 10 years? And others of you are much younger. I want to encourage you. How about spending five years, 10 years abroad somewhere where you can really dig in, learn the language, learn the culture, and really build something for God? There's all sorts of possibilities. You'll find our details on the table at the back. There's also, we work in 110 countries, so there's all sorts of, of possibilities. And in fact, one, one of the things that I find a lot of people are unaware of, um, because we work in 110 countries, we can use all sorts of professional skills. Um, last year, our Africa director was in England, and he's a Zambian. And he said to me, Pete, you know, we don't actually need white. Brits in Zambia, because we've got the language, we've got the culture. But he said, your culture equips you to be good at something. Oh, that's nice, you know. I'm expecting it to be Bible teaching or something. He says, your culture equips you to be good accountants and bookkeepers. <laughs> okay? And he said, we need that in Africa. Now, I know what he means, because I have worked in countries that are just not quite as systematically minded. There's something about the Protestant background of our country and countries like Norway, Holland, Germany have the same background, that that breathe systematic thinking. Other countries don't necessarily. And sometimes you go to these places and you see people who should be teaching the word of God instead of gazing at columns of figures and trying to make them add up. And if you can send somebody from our culture to be an accountant or a bookkeeper there, it can be so helpful. We need all sorts of things. We need IT people. In Afghanistan, the, the scriptures are going out by mobile, 
If you went from town to town in Afghanistan giving out the Bible, they'd cut your head off. But on mobile, it's another matter. But we do need people here in London to mentor the software people there in Kabul. We need HR people. We need electricians. I'll tell you a slightly humiliating thing that happened to me. I went to East London to visit a pastor. Nobody told me he'd actually been with OM for about 20 years. So when I found that out, I just zip, you know. And he said to me, he'd been in Sudan. He said, you know who the most valuable person in our team was in Sudan? It was a Canadian who could repair vehicles. Because he said, otherwise, we would have been stuck in the capital. But with him there, we could drive the car, the other cars we had out into the countryside and do all sorts of stuff. Vehicle repairers we need, electricians we need, welders we need, carpenters we need. Maybe the Lord would have you come out just perhaps for six months and use the professional skills you've got. We need teachers. We need therapists. We need all sorts of things. Because we work in so many countries, a lot of countries are only open, actually, if you've got somebody there who's a health educator, perhaps, or can work with HIV people, or is a teacher. Uh, all sorts of possibilities. And you can even come just for a short period. Uh, you'll see this at the back. We, we, at the back, we've got full-scale brochures about our long-term things, but this is the short-term one. The reason why it's only a card is because there's 400 of these projects, and you can't get all that into a brochure. So... Um, it'll give you our website. 400 possible short-term projects is probably something that would suit you. So have a think about just coming with us for three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and doing something, yeah? Because that's maybe what the love of God will help you to, to uh, constrain you to do. So folks, just to finish, most Muslims, most Hindus, and most Buddhists in our world have never met a real Christian. As things stand, they never will. That should bother us. Because God's glory God's, it, it is not being worshipped in those parts of the world. And the Lord has died for these people, and yet they've never heard the gospel. That should bother us. God so loved the world that he gave, and he calls us to do the same. So, folks, I want to ask you, I encourage you just to, to dream some big dreams so that when you get to the end of your life, you can look back and say, I use my life for God. I didn't just use it to get a better career. I didn't just use it to get a bigger house. I didn't get, just use it to get a blonder wife. I used it to really build something for God, to leave some footprints for the glory of God, something that was going to be there in a million years. And that is what the Lord calls us to do. He may call you here. I, I, I hope all of us have thought of asking the Lord, Lord, do you want me to spend the rest of my life in North London? And many of you, he's going to say, yes, I do. I'm glad you asked, though, because I want you also to pray for Sudan and for the Middle East, and for the dark parts of Europe. But some of us, the Lord's going to say, actually, I've got a more colorful plan for you. Just for five years, I want you in. Yeah. And I look around, folks, and I say, what I, what I see as I look around, I just see potential. So many people whose prayers can change the world, whose resources can change the world, and whose lives can change the world. Shall we pray? Lord, I want to thank you so much for this church, and Lord, for the... Yeah, just from OM's point of view, Lord, just for the, the, the good stuff that has been released into the world because of this church's generosity and this church's prayers. And Lord, I want to pray for all of us in this room now. Help us to understand the destiny that you've got for us, Lord. Help us to understand the power of our prayers, that the world does change when we pray. Help us to see that. Help us to be involved in praying for LCM, in praying for JCL in praying for OM and the, and the other miss, missions that are on that card. Help us, Lord, to be people who will be able to look back from eternity and know we used the tool of prayer that you gave us to change the world. Help us, Lord, to see how to use the resources you put in our hands. And Lord, help us to dream big dreams. 
about how you can use us. Uh, Lord, whether it's here in London, whether it's in our Samaria, perhaps in Europe, or whether it's even further afield, help us not to settle for small ambitions, I pray, but help us to hear the prompting of your Holy Spirit as to the big dreams you can use us for. Lord, we want our lives to glorify you. And this morning, we offer them again to you and say, Lord, here we are. Send us as the Father sent you. Fill us with your spirit so that we can be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.